And this this is the Draft Season Podcast. Um, it is your boy, Young Rass. It's, it's real late night. What is today? Wednesday. On a Wednesday night, the Knicks are on. I'm not in my right state of mind, but we're going to try and bring you some, some decent content today. Um, you know, <laughs> you're if you're listening right now, if, if you're listening right now, Knicks up nine with a minute left. I would stay tuned to the rest of the episode to see a potential meltdown or a potential cheer. But, um, you know, we're here with a late night episode for, uh, we're recapping NFL Draft. I know that happened a month ago. Yeah, so like I said, let's, yeah, you know, we, we over here, your boy Sean 5K. You know I mean? We in Harlem, USA. Um, and like I said, it wouldn't, uh, Black Twitter's number one fantasy sports and entertainment podcast. We would not be, you know, we wouldn't be like, it, I mean, uh, we, we come through fast and be late. It's just, it's just the brand. It's just what we do. So, you know, better, better late than never. And, you know, uh, definitely, definitely like, you know, I actually don't mind, I actually don't mind like having some more time to, to sit with the draft. It allows me to like check out more and watch even more tape and, and, and you know, familiarize myself with a lot of these um, landing spots. So, yeah, like I said, we definitely get into this actual um, NFL draft content for you guys today. Um, and like I said, we have a very, very special guest on the show. Somebody that I'm a huge fan of. Somebody who who puts out great content. Somebody who whose work I I deeply respect. Um, shout out to the homie. Um, shout out to everybody listening to Periscope. Um, yeah, like I said, we we doing this live right now. Um, shout out to the homie Shane. The garden is going live. Right? I mean, it's going crazy right now. So, um, like I said, it's pretty tough. But yeah, like I said, um, special guest in the building today. Um, we got the homie Christian Williams um, on the show today. You can't check his workout. Um, he's a Debbie writer for um, Fantasy Pros. He's also the director of operations um, at The Cut Fantasy Football. Um, and he's also, he just puts out a lot of great uh, content. Christian, like I said, uh, appreciate you. I know we've been actually trying to put this together for some time. But like I said, appreciate you for linking up and um, hopping on today, man. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I always tell people when I go places, doing guest spots is way more fun than hosting my own stuff, uh, in my opinion. Like... <laughs> I yeah. I feel like it, it's just a lot more more free. I'm not Less as tense. You know? right? yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not as tense. So yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I, I'm I'm honored to be on you guys' show. So very excited. Yeah, like I said. So um, and and Christian is somebody who I'm a huge fan of, and we're gonna get into why that is shortly. Um, but just a couple of the appetizers that we do have. For you. We also we also we always start um our guests off with these questions. So. Um, just your your background. Um, you can tell the people a little about your content background. Um, but just earliest, you know, sports memories growing up. Um, like what teams did you root for growing up? Um, and more specifically, um, your path to this fantasy um football, fantasy sports um world. How did you end up here? Um, and what was basically like your journey to to what really led you here? So yeah, just I know long winded question, but um, yeah. just the earliest earliest sports background. Um, and just like your earliest, how you got into the fantasy world. My earliest sports memories are actually in baseball. So uh, I, I remember I so I grew up in northeastern Ohio, so um, up east of Cleveland uh, quite a bit, but grew up a Cleveland sports fan, which, you know, that, that was pretty rough growing up. The Indians were about the only good thing going. And then, of course, Cavs drafted LeBron, which was awesome. That was kind of my introduction to basketball. But my earliest memories were in baseball. Then I kind of transitioned, you know, a little bit into Brown stuff, but it was tough to get into that when I was a little man. Uh, my first Browns memory is Kelly Holcomb thrown for like, Ooh. I think, 400 yards in the playoff game against the Steelers. That's my first Browns memory because that was the first time I could actually get excited about Browns football. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, 
when the Cavs drafted LeBron, like that's when my like sports intrigue definitely took off. So, uh, but yeah, um, in terms of what, what took me here, uh, being a Browns fan. So, uh, when, when, when you're a Browns fan for so long, you had to watch the draft closely. And, uh, then, then you started to get more intrigued with like, uh, prospect evaluations, stuff like that. And so I, I looked at that and I was like, well, if I can look and identify what players are, are good, or I think I can do that, right. Then I might be good at fantasy football. Started playing that in like sometime in high school, but I really dove pretty deep into it uh, in college. Uh, my co-host on the cut, Randy, we used to sit in the back of our classes in college and just watch prospects and, and do fantasy drafts and stuff like that. We had fantasy leagues. I worked in intramural sports at Cleveland state. So uh, yeah, it, it was a, a nice long journey. And then I kind of just transitioned my Twitter page into a fantasy account one day um, last year, two, two years ago, maybe. I don't, I don't even remember when it was, but uh, then I just really started to focus in uh, and realized that this is something that I, I love doing. Like this is, this is so fun. I get to talk about football all the time. Uh, I'm on like, I'm on two different podcasts. I get to talk on a bunch of guest spots. So it's a great time, but yeah, definitely a long journey. I, I echoed your long-winded question with a long-winded answer, and I am sorry for that. That's amazing, man. Like I said, I'm trying to I'm trying to get more into the routine of letting my guests speak. So that was a, that's an amazing. So like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to tee you up um, with with the best setups and the best assists here. So yeah, even even getting into that process, and like I said, um, you you're one of the you know one of the more entertaining guys just from you know a freshness of, of giving people takes that you're not seeing everywhere around there. Um, specifically, um, if you, if you know anything about Christian, um, he is the lead, you know, cause I'm, I'm also on his bandwagon, but he's also um, one of the lead proponents of Justin Fields quarterback one. Um, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to get into that shortly um, because that's the agenda I'm here to push whenever I get the <laughs> opportunity to. Um, but one of the other things I wanted to get to before we get into that is just like finding your voice because, you know, whether what whatever it is, and you know, it's a lot of people who who really take their time to dive into this stuff. So whenever you're whenever you're getting to, the, to into this type of content industry, and when you have a lot of people who are also looking at the same type of things you are, you know, there's a certain sense of you know the risk it takes to go against the grain and and actually going against consensus and putting yourself out there for stuff that you that um you know that you project to happen and you know projection is it is it isn't linear and isn't clean cut um and it's always impossible to you know always see the the the, the variables um that you know any player is going to is going to have trying to reach their potential so um my thing that's my question for you just but like how did you go about just trusting your voice um particularly about when it comes to um what a lot of like the naysayers or as a lot of your content might get circulated um it can be rough whether it's when you put your opinion out there um that's kind of consensus so how did you deal with that and particularly about just trusting your process and and trusting what you see um in your evaluations yeah yeah that's a that's a great question man um so i I will say the the first thing i want to say here is uh it's it's much easier to do it when you have a a smaller following, right? So you have less people looking at your content and therefore you have less people that are going to push back on your content and what you're saying. Um, But my thing is, is I'm always going to trust myself, right? Even if I don't think I know everything, which I don't, I absolutely don't. I'm always going to be growing as, yeah, as an evaluator, NFL GMs, 
they don't get it right every time. They have things to grow on and improve upon. Uh, so obviously, guys like like me and and like yourselves, we we can all be better, right? But I'm always gonna trust that my process, whatever it leads me to, uh, I'm gonna stick to that um, because. And we talked about this a little bit offline. Groupthink is a real thing, and groupthink I think gets people into trouble um, because I th- I think. Yeah, I think you put it in a way that that made a lot of sense. It's like some of this stuff gets fed to you and then you kind of lock in on that opinion, even if that's not what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so I talked about it in my latest article, uh, which is titled A Beginner's Guide to the Prospect Evaluation Process, which was just going through my prospect evaluation process. But um, you kind of, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there because I had to find the freaking article. Um, but but pretty much like you you want to craft your own opinions and not really worry about what people are saying. Right. So like people are definitely going to push back if you say something that the masses are not saying. There's there's a guy on fantasy Twitter and uh, I should I'll name drop him because I doubt he's watching right now. But it's Dynasty Jacobian. Right. This guy gets a ton of flack. He has Josh Jacobs as his yeah, RB4. Yeah. RB, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I saw someone subtweet him the other day, and it actually uh, put me onto this idea for this article because I know I've, I, I'm actually in a group chat with him, and I know that he actually has a process that leads him to that. I think that's absurd. I think that's crazy. And that's what people think about me having Justin Fields at QB1. But because he believes in it and because he can back it up when people challenge him, I'm cool with that. And I, I love people that, that stick their neck out like that because uh, it's tough, man. Like it, it's, you, you definitely, like I said earlier, you catch a lot of flack and, and it only gets worse. Right. So the more people see your content, yeah. the more, the more stuff you're going to take Facebook. I got, I got kicked out of a Facebook group once just for saying Justin Fields was my quarterback one. So uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's wild, man. So um, a question for you. Um, when did you, I guess, just piggybacking off of this this topic, when did you start to notice that your evaluations and that your your content was cutting through the clutter? Like, when did you start to figure out and, and really understand that you were getting that traction? And and I guess a two-part to that is what did that do to you mentally, you know, in terms of your preparation and, and how you went about the job um, after you figured out, like, okay, I got a buzz going? I'll tell you what, uh, when I, I think the moment that my content for, and it doesn't have a ton of traction, like, don't get me wrong. Like there are still major sites to get way more traction on their content, but in, in relative terms, right. I think it's everything's relative. Right. When I started to explain my process. So being very, very transparent about what I'm seeing, how I'm seeing it and explaining it top to bottom. I think when you like if you're writing, if you're podcasting and you're just saying things um, and and maybe it's like a one off tweet that you don't feel the need to explain because it's just an opinion. Right. Uh, and and that's how I felt for a while is I, I'm just tweeting out my opinions. People don't have to agree what you find is that people get mad, but once you start to explain your process, I feel as though people are more open to the idea that you might be right, or you might be onto something, or at least it's going to introduce a different perspective to people. Um, now, if I come with a consensus take, like my Kyle Pitts is tight end one, of course, because kids freaking awesome. Um, 
then you still like there there is no no winning you still get people that push back and say well you you missed on this you missed on that uh but when you start to explain your process that's when i think you kind of i i don't want to say you get an ease of mind but what i was able to do so my first article that had some traction was uh justin fields qb1 uh that was the title of the article um and i i posted that i res i respond to the the comments and stuff but i was 100 content with everything that i put on that paper uh as i was writing it and so it, it did kind of ease my mind i guess um and then i, I didn't know that that was going to be the one that had the most traction but uh it ended up working out that way so i i guess it's kind of all tied together right you explain your process, you feel yeah. about it, and then you're good to go. So I think let's 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 talk about let's, let's dive a little deeper in there because yeah, as we as we really talked about a lot of the um the positional breakdowns, we were breaking our positions, you know, and we talked about Trevor Lawrence and Fields and and the top guys in this class, specifically when we talked about Trevor Lawrence. And I, I brought up the points of about how, you know, Trevor Lawrence really wasn't even being analyzed coming into this process anymore, which, you know, like to me, to me, that's a major, that's just a major like problem off, off rip. And I know exactly how good Trevor Lawrence is. I'm not saying the guy's going to be bad by any, by any means, but, you know, and, and to a certain, a certain point, and, you know, I would love to get your opinion on Zach, Zach Wilson a little later on, but as we really watch you guys and, and the more you get into this, you know, it, it, it is nitpicky, you know, but, I would like to keep that consistency throughout for everybody because, like I said, these guys are all pretty strong prospects in their own in their own rights. Um, but it really did just feel that <laughs> Fields is being picked apart differently. So I think for you, my question on that is um, obviously one, one thing that um, I think just pops up to me. I know you made this point in your article about um, not just watching one year of tape. Um, and and I, the more the more you know these younger quarterbacks come to the league, these guys aren't getting three four years of start, so it does muddy that and and throw a wrench into that. Um, one thing that really yeah, like I said, just not evaluating one year. So with Fields at least, the narrative started this this narrative of him dropping started early in last season, and you know brick by brick, even when he was playing well, even before bad games. The narrative started to build. So, I, from from your opinion, where where did you see this opinion? Because, like I said, even before coming into last year, um, it was always Fields Lawrence consensus one two, um, and little little by little that started to get eight at. So, um, what was just your scope on how that transpired? Um, because, like I said, it wasn't necessarily um, always just his his tape. And um, to stay on Fields, once I said, I feel like a lot of people would just harp on the Indiana or. Uh, Northwestern game and ignore everything he did last year. Um, when overall, most of his tape was pretty thorough, thoroughly well, thoroughly good for um, throughout two years. Um, and to just pick on or just you know, just actually like piggyback on those two games, um, it seemed a little flawed to me. But, um, just about those narratives and when it started to get built, um, and just general, like how you feel then, and about the article about Justin Fields QB1. Um, so how did that really, how did that come from your scope at least? Uh, first point, you are absolutely correct that people just stopped evaluating Trevor Lawrence. They watched him <laughs> as, as a freshman and they said, that's the guy. And then they never returned. And the thing about Trevor Lawrence that I always talked about, and I wrote an article about him as well, uh, because people say he's the best quarterback since Andrew Luck. I don't think it's 
I don't think he's really close to Andrew Luck. If you remember what Andrew Luck was at Stanford, yeah, Andrew was, Luck was such an like that. That's high praise. Like yeah. that's that's big it, high Andrew, praise. Andrew Luck is the best quarterback prospect ever. I, I think we can. I miss watching him play. Yeah. Oh my God, man. Me too. Um, but so so people were kind of hyping up Lawrence to be that, but that was based on the fact that he was good as a freshman. He got marginally better. He didn't like he didn't pop off the screen as significantly better. He pretty much was a finished product in his true freshman year. And so people were like, all right, he's the he's the one. And then so like you said, that nitpicking didn't happen with Lawrence and that was the issue that I had um, is that everyone said he's perfect. There's nothing that he does wrong. When in reality, there are plenty of things that Justin Fields does better than Trevor Lawrence. And I'll still stand behind that despite, you know, Fields being QB four off the board, um, which is absurd in its own right too. I'm sure we'll get into that, but uh, yeah, I mean the nitpicking, I think Justin Fields actually, and I'm not blaming him, but he brought it on himself, right? So he went to an Ohio State program that notoriously gets scrutinized for not producing good quarterbacks. And he said, I'm going to be the quarterback to come out of Ohio State. And good on him. Like, absolutely awesome, awesome choice. He did what he wanted to do. He probably wishes he would have got a national championship. He could have had two if Chris Olave ran the right way. And then if, you know, I I think they would have built on that too. There would have been an entirely different narrative. If Chris Olave runs the right route in 2019, I think Justin Fields is the first overall uh, quarterback, first overall pick taken in the 2021 NFL draft. And I think that's just, you'd look at the body of work against each other and Fields then would have won twice and outperformed Lawrence twice because he outperformed him in the 2019 playoff game as well. So I think the nitpicking comes from he was always second, right? And then he never beat out Jake Fromm, uh, which he did beat out Jake Fromm. The coach just didn't put him in. Uh, the coach didn't make the right decision. He was better than him that entire year. That so Jake, That Jake Fromm, oh, that Jake Fromm fiasco. Yeah, people use that against him. People use that against him. So I'm just like, but I, you couldn't start at Jake Fromm like that. It had to be just politics at that point because yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake Fromm was losing to my guys in South Carolina. Like, <laughs> right yeah and well and that's the same thing that happened you're gonna see it in this next class with malik willis uh because he wasn't able to beat out bo Nix, which everyone knows that that's because his father played at or his <laughs> uncle i think it was his father his, yeah, his father yeah, yeah. uncle uh but th- that's the only reason malik willis didn't beat out bo oh. Nix. bo Nix is not very good at football so but you get the same argument. People just kind of try to make things up. I, and I'm not saying that like there's no substance to it, but that's pretty much a, a narrative that people just run with. But yeah, man, I, you know, like I said, if Olave breaks one way, then the whole narrative is different and people start to nitpick on the things that Lawrence doesn't do well, uh, which I think would have been good process. But Urban Meyer thought otherwise. He knew when he took that job that, he didn't have to do much evaluation. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I like Trevor Lawrence, right? Um, I, my issue while evaluating all these quarterbacks, to your point, was the evaluation stopped on him. I just didn't think he might be. You know, you have Justin Fields as QB one, and I don't have an issue with anybody having Trevor Lawrence as QB one. It's just that it wasn't as big a runaway 
as everyone made it out to be. And I think that was just my key issue there. Like everybody had him as the runaway favorite. And I'm like, if you're comparing a lot of these quarterbacks, he's not that much. He's not much better than two and three. In my so opinion. Think, yeah. Like, like I said, in so to stay, to stay on that point for one second, like, like you said, um, really going in and diving into the tape, it was, yeah, it was really like fascinating to me. And, and like I said, Chris, we'll get you um, your whole spiel about why you think Fields is, is QB1. But even even watching them more, you know, closely, the offenses and, and when it really got to, we talked about how a, a narrative can what like in narratives, I, I noticed this in social media and it happens a lot in, you know, NBA Twitter. And it really pisses me off because we even get it. Like, right, I talk about this all the time. Um, if you get labeled an empty, uh, empty points guy, you really can't yeah. break that unless your team starts winning. It's not necessarily on you, but yeah, and, and even with Fields about the one read thing, um, and and that was that was that was basically just a, a like an assassination of, of character at, at that point. And even watching them, it was hard. I'm like, where you are you? That's how I know you guys aren't really diving into the Trevor Lawrence stuff because the the Rich Rodriguez offense that, that's a that was a very gimmicky, you know, everything. You know, five, ten yards for the most part down um short yards and stuff with Trevor Trevor Lawrence. And and not to even use that against him, the argument just never made sense. So I think I think for you at least, Christian, um, and just for Fields at least, because I think even you you, you see people against it who who might even say he doesn't have great arm strength, um, or elite arm strength. So for you at least, what what why do you think why is Justin Fields your QB one? And what what makes you feel so safe about his projecting to the next level? Yeah, I mean, the the number one thing is Justin Fields' footwork is better than anyone's in the class. Uh, You see Trevor Lawrence, when he's facing pressure, uh, he gets happy feet. He'll get happy feet in clean pockets, too. Uh, Trey Lance, I think he probably has the second best footwork, um, but he's another guy that, like, he has such great arm talent that he sometimes just decides he doesn't need to get footwork with fields um and i don't even want to include zach wilson in that because his footwork's awful and that's because he bails out of clean pockets but i'm sure we'll get to that in a bit but fields uh the reason people are like oh well he doesn't have arm talent no he's just so mechanically sound when he gets out of the pocket and then he resets his feet so that he can make a pinpoint accurate throw that you don't think that it looks like he has good arm talent um but he does, and he was by far the most accurate quarterback I think that I've ever I've ever watched outside of you know maybe Andrew Luck, but I wasn't like putting grades on prospects back then. Um, but yeah, so the accuracy, the footwork, and just the the ability. Like I know people talk about Fields as oh he's a dynamic runner. The thing about Fields is he's not a run first quarterback. He he can absolutely be a pocket quarterback that has the ability to make plays with his legs. And that's so, so valuable in today's NFL. I'm not taking away from Trevor Lawrence. I think he could probably do that too, but he's not even close to what Fields is athletically. And so uh, that's just a another added wrinkle. And then you talk about arm strength. I mean, does he have as much zip as Trevor Lawrence? Probably not, but can he put some juice on throws? Absolutely. We see it all the time. He can make throws outside the hashes uh, and he can do it from anywhere on the field. So he's just a guy. I I love his mentality too. He's definitely a guy that says like, uh, I I'm going to change the Chicago bears franchise. Like he wants to do that. That's a guy that, that I would definitely tie my franchise to. And, and that's why I think the evaluation process for the Jaguars should have been a little more extensive because I think, 
he had an argument for one and people talk about the mechanics how he drops the ball it it's never ever in, like limited him at all um and people will say well it will in the nfl i don't think it will uh because he still has a quick <laughs> release and yeah. ultimately like it just looks different it just looks different. Russell Wilson winds up. He literally comes all the way from down at like his hips and goes in a complete circular motion. Like he's yeah. a pitcher. So it, he's going to be fine. He's that's why like, yeah, like, that's why like, I found it comical and I had to laugh and I don't want to, I don't want to call him a clown or, or discredit everything he does. Chris Simmons, hey. man, that Keller Mond take. <laughs> like, oh, like, no, no disrespect to Keller Mond. I, I can I can see a world where Keller Mond, you know, has 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 himself a, a solid NFL career. He can do some he can do some good things. You know, he has he has talent. But yeah, you better sit somewhere. here and record a a twenty minute video about Justin Fields' mechanics, and then tell me that Keller Mond is a better quarterback than him. That's where I just have to start laughing because I'm just like, there's no way Keller Mond, like just like objectively, there's no way Keller Mond has better. Mechanics to Justin Fields, no way. Like, yeah. like <laughs> nah, and I think crazy. I think people, I don't know, because we live in such a a headline society, a clickbait society that you know, and so so many people are putting out content that you have to try and find a way to to shock to shock people into clicking in your, onto your shit or listening to your shit. So Kellen Mon being better than Justin Fields. Personally, me, I'm not watching that shit. And you're not watching that. We're not <laughs> no, indulging I, in that. No, I, did, I did click it. I did click it. I did click it. Like, like you said, sometimes I want to see, am I bugging here? Let me hear this. And I was like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and that's my and that's my point. It's just like people who aren't in the weeds as much as us. And like, I'll respect most opinions. Some are bad. Some are bad. We've had bad ones on this very pod. But, but, but what I'm thinking is, you know, people that aren't in the weeds as much as us, they, they're clicking on that. Somebody's like, and then, you know, it's like, ah, I'm different. I have a different point of view from everybody else. Let's see if this works. And some people hold on to that because, you know, on a coin flip, you could be right. You'd be that guy that said, yeah, Kellen Mond was better than Justin Fields. No one ever was going to say it, but you stamped it. So now you're that guy if it happens. And if you, and if it doesn't happen, well, you was an idiot anyway, so we're just gonna sweep it under the rug. Like it was just, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's no real accountability for takes like nah. that. Uh, and, and people and, also go back and change their evaluations, like yeah. as, as the draft classes like <laughs> yeah. progress. Like, that boy. That boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did that with uh, Mahomes' class, I believe. Uh, oh, that's 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 priceless. That's priceless. I think he did. I think he's changed every year, um, but. Yeah, yeah, and and I hate the accountability thing because when you when you have takes like that from a former NFL quarterback, no matter how bad he actually was as a quarterback, people say that he knows more than everyone else because he played the game. Yeah. Uh, and and they'll make an argument like if you do someone's taxes, uh, could you teach someone how to do taxes better? Could you identify a good tax evaluator? Yeah. Not necessarily. I mean, you could yeah. just be good naturally at your job. Right. Yeah. So. And I think even like people, I've, I saw people exactly that. Somebody in my mentions made that point. It's just like, yeah, that's as we like, you know, convincingly just ignore the fact that he started the whole Mac Jones to San Francisco. Um, you know, that started with Chris Simmons. But but um, even getting off that for a second, um, quick, <laughs> a couple a couple other just like quick you know quick hitters about um your thoughts on these quarterbacks versus this class. So I think um Trey Trey Lance Trey Lance is somebody who if you didn't really like I said or Raz said about getting to the weeds. 
Um, Trey Lance, even though he didn't, he wasn't asked to to really carry out a, a pass first offense. Uh, but he did show a lot of great stuff on tape. Um, as a, as somebody who does have, like you said, he is pretty mechanically sound. Um, and he does have the resources and tools to really succeed in the pocket as a as a thrower. Before we even get into his his passing stuff, so um, what, what was your read on your evaluation on on Trey Lance? And when we talk about, I know one one idea I had earlier, specifically tying it back into Trevor Lawrence about you know I, I can see situations where yeah we see Trevor Lawrence as a the overall one of one, um, but there's a couple I see other um, scenarios where development he doesn't end up as the best quarterback in his class. Um, based on the upside of other quarterbacks. So Trey Lance, what did you see from him um, in your studies? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that. I, I remember a text I sent last April um, to my co-host Randy. I said, Trey Lance has the potential to take over as my QB1 over both uh, Lawrence and Fields. And, and I stood by that. You know, Trey Lance went out, he played one game, and he didn't play great because, you know, they threw together that game. He had like a week of practice, and – uh, you could clearly tell that like they were rusty and Trey Lance was bound to have a game where he threw an interception because he really didn't do any of that in the year that he did play a full season. But yeah, I saw a lot of the same things, man. I, his his arm talent is crazy. Uh, what is the most amazing thing, and I talked about it with Fields, but Trey Lance is a bruising, bruising runner. He runs like, you know, guys, and, yep. and, and I know it's it's like commonplace to say, oh, if this quarterback doesn't succeed in the NFL, let's make him a tight end or let's make him a wide receiver like Tim Tebow, uh, who shouldn't be a tight end. Um, I said, you know, if Trey Lance really can't figure out this accuracy thing, because I'm not entirely sure why some of his passes are inaccurate because his mechanics are sound. Uh, and that's the one concern I would have about Lance. But You've got to get him on the field. He's an athlete. You have to have him. If it's a Taysom Hill role, now I don't think that's at all within the realm of possibility for Trey Lance because I think he's going to be a stud quarterback. I think there's a chance that he ends up the best one in this class, and you guys know how much I love fields. So, uh, yeah, Lance, I mean, especially in that San Francisco offense, uh, he should be a stud pretty much from the moment he steps foot on the field, and I think that's going to be sooner rather than later. Like I said, we got Matt. Your audio good? What's up, Matt? What's good, bro? Hey, y'all got me? <laughs> yeah, what's up, Matt? Yeah, what's we up, got my guy? We got my guy. <laughs> we got my guy, Matt Enfield. You already know you can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Enfield. My guy um, does. You know he's our Packers insider. He covers the Packers for um, the Fox affiliate in in Wisconsin. Matt, what's going on, bro? How you doing today? You got off? You got off hey, work? We- no, nah, I'm still working, but yo, what a fucking night for New York. The Knickerbockers take a big game two at home over the Hawks, and then the Islanders and the Penguins up back. And I know this isn't really a hockey friendly podcast, but just felt like we had to throw that in there too. Great night for New York. They used to call me, they used to call me Shawnee Pucks in, a, in another life. So, watch, watch that. Watch it. Watch it. But I think, yo, Matt, I wanted to, um, while, while, while we are here, while we're on this subject, quick. You know, um, the, I think the main subjects around the league right now, you definitely have the, uh, you know, you got the <laughs> the stuff with, with Julio Jones. And I mean, just from a, I would be interested in you guys' opinion, just from a, from an ethics, not even, not even the, you know, the trade aspect, but just like an ethics aspect of, you know, what the hell was Shannon Sharp doing? And then you also have the, the Aaron Rodgers thing. So I think, I think, you know, for you, Christian, what was your, what, what was your take on the, on the whole Julio Jones, um, Shannon Sharp, um, oh, I guess <laughs> journalistic ethics. Why the hell didn't you tell him you were on the on the on the t- or on TV before that? Um, but what'd you make of that? I mean, I thought it was interesting, but I mean, Shannon Sharp is just horrible in general for that. 
Yeah, so I, I tweeted out immediately that that was really fucked up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought it was fucked up if Julio didn't know that he was live, right? And and everyone pointed out, like, Julio knows that he's on the this show at this time. He has to know that he's on the air. But, I mean, not really. Like, they have commercial breaks. He could have called him on a commercial break. Uh, the thing that I think is crazy is the Falcons were blindsided by it as if they didn't know that he requested a trade a month or two ago or whenever he did, like, like you knew he was out of there, but yeah, I think, uh, I think I, I hate that that's where media is right now, uh, where they try to get guys to say things like that just to be the ones like they were all over the headlines. They still are. And that was the goal. Right. Uh, but it sucks that, that Julio's not going to be a Falcon. I wanted to see him finish his career there. Yeah, Skip just sitting there with his stupid face, knowing exactly what they're doing. They're both complicit. They were both complicit. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, so I think even um, – because I think with on, – on the Aaron Rodgers tap, um, I know you sat in on a couple of those conference calls, and um, the news broke about Aaron Rodgers having some turmoil or whatever the – I don't know if it was a, a strong request or the rumors of him requesting his trade – um, but Matt, I mean, just on the Aaron Rodgers and the just Packers front, what have been your read from um, what you've seen from the other reporters out of there and what you've heard from um, some of the other mouths coming out of, of Lambeau? What has been your old, your take and your and your whole the temperature on the room from, from your perspective? Well, I think his first public comments on Kenny Mayne's last sports center the other night made it very clear and obvious, if it was already, that his beef is clearly entirely with some combination of Brian Gutekunst by himself, Mark Murphy, the CEO of the Packers, because they don't have an owner, or both of them together. Uh, it's not with Matt LaFleur at all. It's not with any of his teammates. It's not anything to do with him wanting to play somewhere other than Green Bay. It is squarely on the shoulders of Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy. Now, um, what he meant by it's the people that build – the foundation there, whatnot, like that's a very kind of broad, um, that's a very broad term. Like, I, I, didn't, I don't know what that means. Um, like what incidents, like he said, it's not about Jordan Love. And to be honest, like from everything I've heard from him over the last year, I really don't think that he has any issue with Jordan Love, the person. I think he probably does have an issue with Jordan Love, the pick, Draft and how capital. that was not. Yeah. <laughs> And how that was not communicated to him beforehand. Um, and I, I, you know, you hear about the the team cutting Jay Kumaro last year. That being what did Ian Rapport say? The death kneel and the relationship. And you've heard other people say this week, uh, then bring up that they let Jordy Nelson walk, who is one of his favorite receivers. They let Randall Cobb walk. I'm not going to hold Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy and whoever else is uh, making that decision, those decisions. I'm not going to hold them to the fire for that because Jordy Nelson letting him walk was pretty clearly the right call. Uh, he played one more year in Oakland. He was not that great, and then he retired. Randall Cobb, you know, is, right, 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 right. You know, Randall Cobb um, is still a productive receiver, but you know, it's probably fair to wonder if you could find. Um, like a guy they drafted this year, Amari Rogers, who has a a very close personal relationship with Randall Cobb. You could find a younger, cheaper, more explosive slot option. Um, And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. Like when you have a quarterback 
that has carried that franchise way that Aaron Rodgers has. Ryan Gutekunst and Mark Murphy majorly dropped the ball and not communicated to him that they might take a quarterback in 2020. On top of the fact that that was a roster that was a gateway from the Super Bowl when they weren't really seeing full song and they wasted a draft pick on a developmental quarterback. But then again, I mean, obviously they misread on how much good football Rodgers had led him. My read on the situation, and it's been my read on the situation since the night happened, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers week one next year. Whether he's the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers week one in 2022 is certainly up for debate, and I would lean towards no. But this upcoming year, listen, I don't think he's going to show up. I think that it's uh, this Aaron Rodgers watch is going to extend into training camp, but I think at some point he's going to show up to training camp. And he's probably going to have another epic fuck you season. And they might win the Super Bowl. It's entirely possible because, again, their issues are not within the locker room. If or, or the assistant coaches or his teammates, then I would say this is probably an unworkable situation. But Rodgers could show up in the middle of July and lay waste to the rest of the league. Yeah. And no one would be surprised by it. So I think that he, I think that he's going to show up when he shows up is up for debate. But I think he's their starter week one next year. And if last year, in year two at that, in that offense is any indication, year three with a draft where they actually probably drafted players that could help them immediately, I think he's going to have another ball in year. Yeah, and I think even yeah, like I said, I think I think you hit on on everything on there. I think even um getting getting back to these quarterbacks, yeah, man, we were just we're just getting Christian's um opinions on on these top guys in this class of the quarterback. So I think even staying on the next guy on the list, um, going into these New York Jets for a moment, um, and somebody who I mean, Matt, you made the you you know you, you sat on the fence and you know you didn't want to compare you didn't want to say he was Aaron Rodgers you said you just said he did things that reminded you of Aaron Rodgers um which you know I I I, I scoffed at but um Christian your opinion on Zach Wilson what did you see in your film studies um I I, I, I you know what I'm saying I I went back and forth about um seeing good things and seeing bad things um but what were your thoughts what were your opinions on on his tape well, he was my QB4. Um, before you start, that's... before you start, I just want you to know I'm a Jets fan. So just, okay. just take it. Just both both take it. No, do what you got to do, but I just, just so this, see some face reactions. So there's, there's a lot to like about Zach Wilson, in my opinion. So I think the thing that is a little worrisome about Zach Wilson, and I, I hinted at it, he really does not like sitting in a clean pocket. And I think that the Jets have done a really good job of building that offensive line to where he's going to have some clean pockets. He acts like he's Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson gets into trouble doing this too. Like if there's one knock on Russell Wilson, it's that he takes too many sacks and it's because he's trying to make big plays. Zach Wilson is going to do the same thing, except he doesn't have the same athleticism. So he's going to get chased down by good defensive ends and linebackers and everyone who's coming at him. Um, and he's a kind of small guy and, and I don't want to ever say that, like, I think that he's a higher injury risk because of that. But like I, I saw in the coastal Carolina game, he got tossed on the ground one time and he was pissed off and didn't really know what to do from there. And he had an okay game, but, uh, listen, with Zach Wilson though, he makes some crazy throws. People compare him to Rogers. People compared him to Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes I don't Kyler think he has some 
Yeah, I've seen some crazy, crazy comparisons. I think what he is, and I'm a Browns fan, so this is probably more of a compliment to me. It might not be to everyone else, but I think he's like Baker Mayfield, but really like sophomore year Baker Mayfield, which wasn't the best version of Baker Mayfield, uh, where he just he he gets happy feet in the pocket. He panics a little bit, and then he thinks he can make more happen than he can, and he might get himself into trouble. Can they coach that out of him? Absolutely. I have a ton of faith in Sala. I have a ton of faith in Mike LaFleur because I think that they're going to bring a lot of what San Francisco did, and I think that's perfect for Wilson. It's just I think you're going to go through some growing pains, and ultimately I don't think that Wilson's going to do much better than what Sam Darnold would have done in that offense, and that's the part that I hate for for the Jets because they had a quarterback of a similar, similar mold, um, and they could have – you know, drafted a Kyle Pitts or traded back or done something a little, you know, it sounds crazy. They should have drafted Justin Fields. I mean, let's be real, but uh, I just, that's where I get a little worried and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jets fans. Here's the, here's the thing on Darnold. The biggest thing on Darnold versus Wilson is the money part. Because if you pass on a quarter this year's draft and Sam doesn't improve next year, in that offense, and then you passed up on one of Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, whoever, and then you have to decide on whether you're going to pay Sam after three to four years of bad tape. Can't justify it's, that. Can't, in my that, opinion. That's true, but the, the flip side is that if Sam Darnold didn't get better, the Jets would have had another top pick, and then they could get Sam Howell or Spencer Rattler or Carson Strong, like – one of these guys too. And I think Wilson's where, where probably does, better. Where does that's an interesting point though, because where does Sam Howell go in this in the 2020 draft among the quarterbacks? Fifth at best? Yeah, yeah. I mean even Rattler, Rattler's probably going three to four, right? I'm not even a Rattler guy, man. So I don't does he go I, three or four in this in this past draft? Yeah, I mean that's up for debate. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's <laughs> that's right. This is a really debate, tough. Man. This is a really tough class to to break. So yeah. <laughs> well, but especially I'm, when like I think that the fourth quarterback got drafted second, and second so then you think like, are you going by the, the draft order or like how I would evaluate? Because I think I would probably take Howell. Uh, man, probably just over Mac Jones. So you're right. You're absolutely right, but. Uh, I guess that would be a, 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 a equally as risky. I think Hal's probably a safer player than Wilson. That's for sure. Yeah, I think Joe. I mean, but if you're Joe Douglas, you got to do it, right? You got it because if you're gonna if you're gonna sink with a ship, you got to sink with the guy you picked. You you know you're not gonna. Sure. So like, I get I get why that happens, but it's just like I'm very in the middle on Zach Wilson. Um, I'm not buying, obviously, into the Aaron Rodgers comparisons, the Mahomes kind of like that's just that's ridiculous. But I do think he has the arm talent, and he's might be just enough of a sicko to get it done in New York. But to your point, like that 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 same behavior will get him in a lot of trouble. So it's just that like point you, that point you just made right there, Raz. Actually, I don't know if he can handle New York. <laughs> like, like that's just a, that's just a thought I had, and um. And it's funny because one one thing I know people the 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 tape on Zach Wilson twenty nineteen gave me more of a pause than the twenty twenty tape. I don't know how many people really dove into the twenty nineteen tape. You know, there's games against um, Utah, which that Utah defense 
last year. I think they they sent like four or five dudes to the NFL. That was a really good defense. Um, plus like Zach Moss, that was that was a damn, that was a pretty good team. Um, even even a pretty good t- Tennessee team. Um, that they faced last year. So the competition they faced last year was more on par with, you know, um, high level programs compared to, um, what he might. I mean, compared to like defense they might see. And a lot of times you'll see a lot of the questionable decision making. Um, you know, like 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 Chris said, his ability to like just just hate staying in a, in a clean pocket. But I I can see I can see both arguments on it. Um, and like I said, the more like he he does do some of the he does he makes some throws look so easy. Um, that you can understand why dudes are just drooling over him. So, I mean, just a quick, quick little. Um, I mean, we got we got another like we we'll go like another twenty twenty five minutes. So, I think um other other um NFL draft guys. What Raz? Any any other guys? Um, landing spots that you really liked that you hated? Um, you know, dynasty guys who might have um value in two three years from now. Who comes to mind? Um, as a as a as somebody who, who ended up in a scenario that you're interested in seeing where. You might be able to grab him in a in a dynasty or or a Debbie's um circumstance. Does it matter uh the position? No, no, no. Whatever, whatever position. Um, Javante Williams, Terrence Marshall. Um, those are those are guys that I'm very happy with their landing spots. Um what's uh dude from who did the Redskins draft? Whiteout that uh, I'm yeah, I mean, Brown. his name. Jamie Brown, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like <laughs> I love that. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Um, I'm so you know. Forgive <laughs> yeah, me, bro. Come on, bro. <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me, all of the Native Americans. I am not of that cloth. It's just habit at this point. Um, but yeah, him. I like. I like that spot. Um, when they, whenever they figure out that QB situation, because obviously Fitz Magic, we've all seen Fitz Magic at its worst. We've seen Fitz Magic at its best. At best is eight and eight. So once they figure that out and they kind of figure out that quarterback, they have a lot of weapons on that team. And I think he's some, I think that's somebody who, because of a lot of the attention that the rest of those wideouts and those weapons are going to get, he's somebody who's just very explosive and just good enough to where you get him in the right spot in a dynasty draft. I, I feel like you can't go wrong. Yeah. He fits pretty well next to Curtis Hamlin and um, Terry. Uh, Matt, any any other like late round? I know I know Raz had a couple guys. Anybody else who um I know you mentioned when we did the wide receiver preview show, Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers ended up um in Green Bay. I just think that's a, it, as long as Rodgers is there, that's a pretty good fit, especially for um immediate value. But Matt, who really comes to mind as somebody who um landed in a good spot for some immediate um short term value for you? Well, Amari Rodgers is who I was going to say because Rodgers, as long as Aaron Rodgers is there. He loves those dependable slot guys. I mean, that's been Devontae Adams for a lot of the last couple of years. But if you could plug and play Amari Rodgers in there, I think he brings back immediate value. I'm going to bring it to my actual favorite team, though. I'm curious how quickly Michael Carter potentially gets some real run in the Jets offense. I mean, they've got a bit of a crowded situation right now with Tevin Coleman. I'm not sure LaMichael P. Ryan makes the 53. Raz, who am I missing here? Uh, Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson, yeah. and then I think LaMichael will make that. Um, Probably. I don't think. Name, okay, but let's say even LaMichael makes the roster. I don't think he's getting snaps and meaningful run over Michael Carter. Yeah, he's not that good. He's not better nah. than Michael Carter. So no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know that that Forty ers coaching staff led by 
Michael Floor, they take homeless people and make them thousand yard rushers. So um, I think Michael Carter <laughs> and, that, and that Jets offensive line is very, very much improved. So just get behind Highway 77 and Vera Tucker over on the left side, you know, get a little PPR value too. And, you know, I think that that's someone that could give you a little bit of immediate value later in the dynasty and definitely down the road is going to be a nice piece to have. So I think for you, Christian, um, a couple questions I had. There's a couple guys who really stood out to me who I, t- I thought talent um, really stood out to me as, you know, just as I don't necessarily know if I love these spots, but the talent is intriguing. So um, a couple guys I'll ask your opinion on um, that ended up in, um, let's call it, you know, suspect situations. Um, Nico Collins is somebody who, you know, like I said, we talked about this on the receiver show. This is a, this is a, a, a class of these, you know, these wet, these like little supersized slot guys, not really your your dynamic X big receivers. Um, Nico Collins has that guy. Um, also somebody like um, Des Fitzpatrick and also Daz Newsom. So those those three, I don't know, those are later Debbie guys. How do you feel about those three? Who do you guys between Nico, um, Daz, and somebody like a Des Fitzpatrick? Who do you really think has um, the best? you know, ability to really splash and possibly be a great Debbie pick in a couple of years if we looking back at this. Or anybody in that, you know, day two, day three, day three range who might really bring you back value that nobody's looking at. Shout out to Amon yeah. Brown. Yeah, come on, obviously. Yeah, yeah, St. Brown's a good one too. Uh, I would say out of those guys, and I don't know how I have it ranked, but um, I want to say it's Nico Collins first. I think I'd prefer uh, Deami Brown to Nico just because I had him ranked a little higher uh, pre-draft, but ultimately Nico Collins is stepping into a situation where he's pretty much like your alpha X receiver. You've got Brandon cooks there. Uh, All signs seem to be pointing to Deshaun Watson playing this year. Uh, Now I don't, I don't know how it transpires, but I saw that his deposition isn't until after the season in 2022. Uh, uh, so I assume that they can't really do I'm, much. What are, are, are there Vegas odds on that? There should be. I'd love to bet on it. <laughs> how did the, how did the, would it be? Yeah. It. The litigation would kind of be similar to like the deflate gate thing. Cause then Brady like played through his suspension when he was supposed to be suspended. Or yeah, he, like, few, he like yeah. sent it to like arbitrary, he like uh, the arbitration or whatever, and they yeah. they let him play. But yeah. I, that's a sticky. I don't it's know. Tough. Like I, yeah, it's it's tough. But you know, assuming that Watson plays or they get some type of decent quarterback play, I'm a I'm a Davis Mills guy. I think Davis Mills could step in and start uh, next year. He's definitely developmental, but he's also a guy that uh, was highly touted as a a high school recruit he had some bad injuries and he kind of got pushed down the depth chart but then when he stepped in he he makes some nfl throws and i think he could you know provide something similar to what you probably would have seen from jordan love last year which you know might not be great but then that's when you lean on your big body x receiver uh and a guy like brandon cooks but outside of that they don't have a ton of weapons there so i think collins immediately steps into a really good situation uh Talking about Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he's the same. I talked about him a little bit on a podcast a couple weeks ago because they're playing him outside and inside uh, because they have no one else to play any of those spots because their wide receiver core is shit. So uh, St. Brown, and, and he was a guy that... He's friends, basically. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Rashad Perriman, I guess, is probably going to get some run. Uh, Jared Goff can't get him the wide ball, Wide receiver though. one. 
Yeah, sure. gross. Uh, yeah, gross. Yeah, gross is right. Uh, that's, uh, but yeah. that's before you take into account the fact that Jared Goff's throwing them the rock. Yeah, and that's why I think I like uh, St. Brown a little bit more because he'll work underneath, and and that'll be. I I said I think I talked about it pre-draft that he reminds me a little bit of like a Robert Woods, um, and so that's okay. going to be Goff's Woods. I don't know if they run. They're probably going to run more of a Saints offense, but uh, still, I I think St. Brown's definitely a guy. And to your point about Fitzpat does Fitzpatrick, I think he could walk right into that situation too, as long as Julio isn't recruited uh, by A.J. Brown to the point that the Titans actually pull the trigger. So, <laughs> You know, there's there's a spot um, that I hate, um, just like to piggyback of just like situation, situations and draft selections that I hated. And my guy, Rashad Bateman, was sent to wide receiver purgatory to block in the wing <laughs> tee. And um, <laughs> can I give you some uh... stock blocking? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So I, I did a little bit of research into this because I was a Rashad Bateman pre-draft wide receiver one for most of my process. And then, of course, he came in two inches shorter and like 30 pounds later. And so I had to move him down a little bit because, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a little bit of research. And Greg Roman uh, with the 49ers back when he had Crabtree. Crabtree. Uh, Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden yeah. So Davis the, yeah, I think so. So the year before he had like really anyone, they were sitting pretty similar to the amount of pass attempts that the Ravens are at. The year they had two good receivers, which I think the Ravens, you can argue if Sammy Watkins is on the field, he's already better than whatever they had. Uh, yeah. And then Hollywood Brown and then Rashad and uh, Tylen Wallace as well. But I think you're going to see a a massive, massive increase in pass attempts for the Ravens. And I think it's because they know they have to because teams are on to them. Teams, it it might be tough to beat, but I think Rashad gets a ton of work. I think he gets over 100 targets this year. Yeah, there's something something that the the Ravens offense stays that way forever. I don't think it's like – we really shouldn't just look at it as – as like as static and, and that's going to translate. Yeah, like I said, NFL teams do change up from year to year. Um, and sometimes offenses look completely different. So yeah, um, that's definitely that's definitely on the rise. I know he's about to get in there. Go ahead, bro. No, no, yeah, I'm just I I would love 100 targets if Lamar can put it on his hands. I'm I love it. It's just that like you know that's just what it comes down to. Like I don't and Lamar Jackson he is what he is. Like I think he has a lot of room to grow as a passer. He's a like one of the most electric athlete. In here, but I mean, he does throw it when he does throw it on target. It's beautiful. So, yeah. and Bateman's one of those guys that can go get it. So, I, I just hope it works out in terms of that. Um, in terms of him just finding that spot, he'll probably be the number three. He should be the number two to start. Honestly, if we're going, you know, off of that. But Sammy Watkins, big body guy, but he's always hurt. So I just need to see if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy. That'll open up a lot for Bateman and, and Hollywood, and and they'll work along with their forty-two tight ends, and I think they'll be all right. Raz, you got um, <laughs> was it PJ Candy said in chat? He said Sammy is dust. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can't, I can't get that. What was it? The ESPN? I forgot what article it was about Sammy. That article was just wild. I can't, I can't, I can't see Sammy Watkins without thinking about that article. Um, but uh, Raz, any any other <laughs> any other draft locations or uh, spots that you wanted to ask uh, Christian about? What else on your mind, bro? Who do you think just had the best draft? Top, if you had to go top three, top four drafts, who would you who would you give it to? 
Oh man. Uh, let me actually pull up my grades really quickly. Uh, I know one of my favorite drafts, uh, actually the Detroit lions. Um, so as the lions, uh, were hang on, sorry, I'm trying to find my grades. looks like right here. Um, but so the Lions pretty much they they stumbled right into Penesul. And then after that, like they just got a bunch of stud players that were falling down the draft board for whatever reason, uh, just over and over and over. Uh, and so that was a class that I really, really liked. Uh, obviously, the Bears, I think, had a really good draft. Um, it, you can't go wrong when you trade up and get a new franchise quarterback that uh, clearly you should have had no shot at getting. Uh, and then yeah. to go up and get Tevin Jenkins. Um, I, I think just those two picks alone, you could have traded every other pick and I would have been content with it. But they did add, I mean, like uh, they added Daz, they added, oh, who else did they freaking draft? Uh, I mean, Larry Borum, I'm not a huge fan of that selection, but overall, like when you get Justin Fields and your quarterback, Sandy Dalton, that's an A plus, like it doesn't matter. Um to that point really quickly josh palmer chargers i didn't think had a great draft josh palmer uh he's i i liked him he was a top 20 ish receiver for me pre-draft for what he is there weren't a ton of big body guys he has a really good release and ultimately he's going to walk right into that mike williams role in year two after mike williams is gone so uh definitely a guy with that draft capital that i like I do want to give a shout. Um, let's see. We'll go with. I'll, I'll talk about my Browns for a second because they stumbled into some luck as well with Awusu Koromoa falling to the second okay, for yeah, you yeah. know really no I, the heart condition um, which he didn't even know about. He said I've never ever had a problem with it, but it popped up on his physical, so he fell to the second. So the Browns filled two needs with their first two picks. They went and got some speed at wide receiver. They got some interior defensive line helped. Uh, they did a ton of good things. Uh, I loved almost every pick. They added two linebackers. So Browns, I was a big fan. Obviously a little bit of bias, but it's okay. I wish they would have drafted Bateman and slotted him into the uh, Jarvis Landry yeah. role. But. So I think, so, I mean, what, what, yeah, go ahead, Raz, go ahead. I just one one other thing. Um because Matt's not here, so I have to be the shameless Jeff fan. Um, other than the other than the Zach Wilson pick at two, um, because he's obviously your fourth rated uh, QB. What would you rank the rest of the Jets draft? They went pretty heavy on offense. Yeah, uh, so I actually liked every single pick uh, up until after Michael Carter, but then picked it back up with uh, Nasir Aldean. Um and and so. If you hit on, they had what ten draft picks, I think. If you hit on four, like you yeah, want, exactly. and I think they're going to hit on four because I think Elijah Moore is a stud. That was a steal yeah. of a pick. Michael Carter was a steal of a pick. I thought for sure he was going to be day two, and I'm not talking about the Duke safety. Obviously, I'm talking about the running back, the good, the good player. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, Nasir Dean, like he fills a need. Um, he was hurt, it wasn't, right? Yeah, he yeah yeah. Um, but he, I mean, that's a big dude that could actually cover. Like, that's pretty much uh, if you think of like what Jonathan Abram is going to be for the Raiders this year. I think that's going to be Nasir Dean, except 
Abram was like a first a round tackle. pick. Hopefully he's a better tackle than Jonathan, Jonathan Abram. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. That dude just flies. <laughs> he reminds me of Troy Polamalu, but then he never finishes tackles. Yeah, and it only hurts himself. So. It just pops. Yeah. I, think, I think I saw the I think I saw the um, a stat about him like having the most missed wipeout tackles in the league. So yeah, that's not Sounds that's good. not really that's not really something you want to be you want to lead the league in. At yeah. all, especially not especially not at safety. <laughs> not at safety. Um, no, no, no. You, so you, think, usually um, the last person there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one <laughs> one one thing I wanted to ask you because um, I've actually been a little, I've been more down on on Baker, and I saw you mentioned something. I saw you. I, I saw you have some Baker takes. So I think I mean I'm I'm always open to having my opinion changed. Um, you know, I remember yeah. what was it coming into sophomore year? What was ba- Baker? I think he was being drafted at what uh quarterback five or six, something ridiculous. Something not in those range, something I could not I could not, not get behind that. <laughs> yeah, I could not I could not get behind that. Um but I do think, especially like Kevin Stefanski had an amazing season. Um and he did a lot to really help his development. But you know, from somebody who might not have been watching, you know, the second half of those Browns games as closely as you might have, what's your what would be your pitch on Baker? Um, Baker's improvement coming into the season is possibly depending on where he's going as a as a you know somebody who could be a QB one if you get him in the right value um QB two in superflex leagues or whatever um what what did you see from Baker in the second half um from his development stuff? I should preface with I think Baker is going to be a better real life quarterback than he will a fantasy quarterback for sure for um, sure for sure and and I do think well, I wasn't high on him for either so yeah, yeah like, fair yeah and it's fair so. You think about Baker's rookie year. He had a really crappy coaching situation, right? Hugh Jackson got fired after how many ever games? Uh, and then what's-his-face, Greg Williams, bounty gate guy, he uh, stepped in and did a pretty good job, and Baker was really good. So he had all this hype around him. Well, then uh, freaking Freddie Kitchen steps in and has no clue how to run an offense. And so Baker suffered because they – so now they have Odell Beckham – Baker feels like he has to force feed Odell. And he also, they're just running like four verticals every freaking play. Freddie Kitchens was clueless. And so, yeah, yeah. And so then year three of Baker is your first look at him in an offense that's tailored for him that makes a ton of sense, except then COVID hit. And so Baker Mayfield has never had a full offseason to work with his guys on an offense that's been carried over from one year to the next. And if you look at like the last six or so games, he had a couple rough weather games that, that really were a little concerning, Uh, but he outperformed Deshaun Watson in one of the weather games too. But the last six or so games, he was just an incredibly efficient and accurate passer. I think you're going to see a lot more of that in uh, 2021. I think the Browns have kind of Andrew Barry just said the other day that, uh, they have complete faith that he's the franchise guy. And I think the extensions come in this summer uh, because I think they expect Baker to take a, a huge step forward. I think, I think there's a chance that the talk about Baker after year two, uh, people are going to find those takes and it'll be like the freezing cold takes. Like, I was just going to retweet all that stuff. Cause <laughs> I, I think Baker's going to put the league on notice a little bit this year. And I, people say, oh, you're biased because you're a Browns fan. No, I'm not. I hated Baker. I hated that pick. I wanted Josh Allen, and then my second option was Sam Darnold, and then my third option was Josh Rosen. So 
I I came around on Baker after I saw some of the things towards the end of last year. So yeah, some of his swagger back towards the end of last season, and you know exactly. it seems kind of crazy, but you know confidence does go pretty far, especially for a quarterback position. So Red, mm-hmm. I think we could definitely end on a couple quick hitters. Any guys you want to mention? Um, we get a quick little opinion on here. Um, so I think even um, I know just just like thinking about if you have any upcoming um dynasty drafts and you know the fun part of dynasty drafts are like it's round two through basically four the, the first round is basically just who's gonna fall to your pick um uh, but a couple guys that i would love to get you know your thoughts on somebody who you know if we want to talk about tools i brought up nico collins earlier but just another one of those guys somebody who you know the upside is tantalizing um seth williams somebody who i've been watching him a lot recently over the last couple weeks um and you know he's one of those guys and it's funny he ended up in denver but you know the talent is is so huge um well like if you had to put you know especially uh what did he go sixth round um you know i feel like sixth round you like i said you you'd be surprised you can you can find you know guys who can contribute in 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 year one or year two um later in the draft but what do you <laughs> shout, to, shout to pj kennedy in the chat he says he says <laughs> he's, Seth is he's going off. um i can see why <laughs> Seth, if Seth went in like the first two the first and second round he'd definitely get somebody fired um for for his tantalizing upside but what was your read on Seth? what how what do you think he ends up um throughout his career man uh i I can already call that a miss for me. I had him in my top 12 to 14 receivers. Um, And the reason is because I thought that the NFL would look at him and say, alpha, alpha mold that hasn't put it together yet because he has a really crappy quarterback. Sometimes he took some plays off. And then I also noted when I watched his film that he had a little bit of a dog mentality that got a little too carried away sometimes. Like, he would make a nice catch and then he would just immediately uh, step up to that corner and pretty much be ready to fight. And I thought, you know, this might knock him down the board a little bit. I don't know if that's what it was or if it was just the fact that he just decided to take snaps off, but wouldn't yeah, you yeah. with Oof. Bo Nix oh throwing God. you like, I mean, a dude can't even complete 60% of your passes and you have a big body receiver that can go up and win at the catch point. You should be able to complete at least 60% of your passes just throwing to him. So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't I don't think the opportunity is going to be there for him now cuz you look at that wide receiver room and you're yeah, like never, yeah. hey, man, that's a nice receiver room, especially when they're still going to force KJ Hamler onto the field to run really fast down the seam like uh I think if Seth Williams can't contribute on special teams, he he might find a new home. He might be like the Hakeem Butler type of uh, player, and that oh, kind of sucks. I was I was huge on Hakeem Butler coming out, man. I, I still me, me too. Maybe tight end is maybe tight end is where he where he gets it's, it. Who, it's, it's not who knows. Uh, Brass, quick quick hitters. What you yeah, want? Yeah, I, I mean, just you know, for for the listeners, I need your opinion on on Chuba because we we Chuba, had a Chuba Chuba, Chuba, Chuba. We had a yeah. We had a, a, a stand on here a couple episodes ago. <laughs> got, the, so, got the J Rich, man. Okay. Yeah, but I, but I just need your honest opinion. Okay. Uh, twofold, right? Uh, 2019 draft or 2020 draft, um, when I thought he was coming out, he was my RB2. I had him ranked ahead of like Swift, Dobbin, all these guys. Uh, what he put on film in 2019 when he played was that good and then 2020 happened i don't know if he was hurt the whole year 
I don't know what it was, but he just was not good. He was not good. He was not the same running back. He should have never. I mean, he probably got a low grade from scouts, and that's why he went back to school, but then he only made his stock worse. It couldn't have gotten better after that season. So I, I think he's a fast player. He's a home run hitter. I think what you're going to see is when he has to spell uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you're going to see some exciting plays that get you to buy in on him. He's a good handcuff in fantasy, but I just don't know like what his if he if McCaffrey gets hurt again, then I'm you know wheels up, let's go. Uh, but right now, I think I'd probably wait to like the third or fourth to draft him in rookie drafts, and so. I, I have a share. I'll say that. Like I, I picked him up in one spot, but I don't know, man. I wish he would have went somewhere where he could battle for a job. Okay. Yeah, I mean, C CMC. That's you know, not <laughs> like this. Yeah, no, you're not. And <laughs> Mike 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 Davis did his thing in, in spelling him last year. And Mike Davis, I forget where he landed, but Atlanta. Um, uh, God. Um. I'm a, Mike Davis is you see like we can we can we can like Mike Davis even before like last year Mike Davis is somebody who I've had my eyes on you know just somebody who's yeah he he runs quality he runs quality man he's one of those yeah. guys he's he's a, he's a perfect reason to why you know yard yards yards per carry is a lie because you just watch him and sometimes sometimes you really want to see it but you just see how he just extends plays and and gets yards that other guys won't my last guy for you Christian I would love your opinion on. Um, this one has actually been a pretty um, hot button topic for for Giants Twitter. Um, Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony is another one who you know the more the more I watch from him, um, you know, like I said, you always want to dig into multiple years. You know, he didn't really do jack squat the last couple of years. He's really just this year, um, and obviously playing beside somebody like a Kyle Pitts, he really was the number one option um, that teams were worrying about. With all that said, man, he showed a lot on tape. You know, he saw some things that I like on tape, man. There's some, there's some stuff. There's some, there's some advanced route running that if he, if he's manipulating DBs like that with some of his like false in routes and and things of that nature, I can, I can see that really being a splash pick. And you know, it's it's kind of crazy because now the Giants have I don't know where their like skill position group would rank among like the NFL, but like. If I had to pick like a Madden skill position team, it's up there. Um, but but Chris, your your thoughts on 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 Kadarius Tony? Yeah, see, this is where like I incorporate analytics into my evaluations, right? Because I don't think I don't think you should be either all film or all analytics. I think you should blend them in some form. Whether you weigh you know ninety five percent film and five percent analytics, that's fine. Just have that like have your eyes on that analytically he's awful uh on film before 2020 awful and so then i i start to think okay he's just learning how to play the position he's still you know his route running is good but it's like not normal he doesn't do normal things out there he does crazy it's more it's more like i don't want to say gimmicky but it's more it's definitely you know you need the right offensive mind to use that jason garrett probably not Yeah, definitely not it. But I think he's going to be a good player if they can uh, figure it out. And so I think one of your original questions was the better team in New York. I didn't know that anyone was Jets fans on here. I think the Giants are set up for more immediate success just because of the pieces they have on defense as well. Uh, 
But if Daniel Jones can't get Kadarius Tony and uh, Kenny Galladay and all these guys the ball, weapons, I, I, I keep forgetting I, to have John Ross. If if that means John anything. Ross too, yeah, John Ross, Sterling <laughs> Shepard. I mean, special teams now. I don't know, but yeah. So I I I like Tony for what he is. I don't think he should have been a first round draft pick. He probably should have been a day two guy. But the Giants went and got their guy. I think they wanted Devontae Smith and they didn't get him, so they just settled for Kadarius. Uh, we'll 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 see how it goes. I don't think he's going to be very good for fantasy because I don't think he's the fourth best target on that team. You have to figure Saquon's coming back too. And even some, yeah, even even somebody like um Curtis Samuel, who's one of my favorite sleepers coming into last year. You know, it took it took him a while to really like, and even even him, you know, somebody who you it he I I, I think if you want to look at his like game logs, like it probably took him towards like the second half of the season to really establish himself. Um, as somebody who could trust week to week. So, yeah, um, Kadarius Tony probably falls into that phylum as somebody who might be a little difficult for him to to really be consistently um, consistent on a weekly basis in fantasy. Um, but as a, as a real-life weapon, I definitely is going to do a lot, just that speed um, and what that's going to do to defenses. But, um, yeah, man, that should wrap us up for today. Raj, you got any, any last questions, any last takes here before we get out of here, bro? Nah, man, just – um, I appreciate you hopping okay, on. One last, well, hold on, one last. Uh, oh. PJ Kennedy in the chat. Uh, Brian Evans, that's my guy. Yeah, so, yeah. Any, hey, we can any, definitely talk about it. We can talk about it. I, yeah, my my initial thoughts on Brian Edwards are that he's stepping right into a, a baked in role. And while Darren Waller is definitely the uh, wide receiver one for that team, and then you have to figure that Ruggs is used better this year. Brian Edwards has an established role, and I think it's going to be starting outside receiver, and I yep. think he's going to be very good. Aguilar, uh, the Aguilar role was pretty damn good last year, if we being exactly, honest. That's where exactly. That's what into. Yep. And, and I also think they blend a bit of that Aguilar role in for rugs. Um, but, you know, I, I like Brian Edwards. I liked him a lot pre-draft as well. Uh, then he got a good landing spot and just was not healthy as – rookie year he's been compared to Devonte adams by the guy who played with Devonte adams uh and Derek carr i don't think he's there uh i think he's definitely a different kinda, type yeah, of player that's kind of nuts that's kind of nuts to think about yeah. he did play with that he did play with Devontae yeah fresno state <clears throat> yeah but then so i i think they're gonna love brian edwards this year you're gonna get a lot of camp hype i guarantee it that's a per, that's a that's a pretty good one right i'll let you finish but i know like second year i, I know i put it down also like you know, wide awake, second second year sleeper. Um, Denzel Mims has been getting a lot of that love, but Brian Edwards, like I don't like the Denzel Mims is it's become trendy. I got all my Denzel Mims in rookie drafts yeah. last year, so it's not even like trendy to me. But but yeah, Brian Brian Edwards might be in that that category as somebody who, but he's I know he's gonna um his his draft stock can't be pretty high, so I know that's definitely gonna be like rounds 13, 14, 15 late. Um, but yeah, Raz, any any last things you got, bro? Yeah, just one last in the weeds question. Does Shy Smith make the Panthers? He's gonna make it. Um that that receiver room's good though. I mean that's what yeah, it's deep. Is like Darnold he, he like he has a chance to really prove himself. Their weapons far. are insane, man. Yeah, like yeah. he has really? a lot work, he has a lot working for him over there. Shy Smith also was a guy that I was shocked how far he fell. Uh, Yeah. I I thought that was for sure a guy that the NFL would love. Even if I didn't love him as much as maybe some of the masses, um, I still think he was a good player and a day two guy for sure. 
so I don't know if there was maybe something medical that caused that, but I, I do think, I think he's probably like the wide receiver four to five for that team. I hope he can contribute on special teams though, or they'll probably yeah. keep someone else. Yeah. He might've just fell cause there's so many slot guys in this particular <laughs> class. So, uh, but yeah, man, yo, that shit wrap us up, man. We definitely went an hour 15 shout out to the guy. Shout out to our guy, Christian Williams, Christian, um, if you have anything you want to plug, you can tell the people where they can follow you, see Williams NFL or anything you're working on. Um, let the people know what you, you know, let the people know where they can follow your work and anything you might be working on, man. Yeah. Uh so this actually has become a long spiel because of my new show, The Debbie Royale, with uh Jeff Bell and Kevin Coleman. Uh so you can follow our Twitter there at the Debbie Royale. We talk all college football on that podcast. Uh, we get into like I talked about some NBA games with the uh, we're doing some picks. It, it's kind of based on uh, like games. So we, we have some fun with that. You can also follow the cut at the cut FFB. Got a lot, a lot of content pumping through there. We go live every Monday night at 1030. The Debbie Royale goes live every Tuesday night at 930. Um and then check out thecutffb.com. That's where you'll find all my articles and whatnot. I just posted the one that I mentioned, like the beginner's guide to prospect evaluation. I'm working on a Carson Strong 2022 NFL draft like preview type of deal. Uh, and I'll be working on a ton of fantasy stuff this summer. So uh, you can follow me at C Williams NFL, like you said. Um, I'm I tweet a lot, so you might want to mute me, but nah, good account, man. You got a you got a good account, man. Like I said, you, you give you give great takes, man. Um this is somebody you definitely should be following. Put them in your tool belt um as you're preparing for your 2021 fancy drafts. Um this has been another installment of the Draft Season Podcast. Shout out to the home team, shout out to Blue Wire Hustle, shout out to the Blue Wire Podcast team. Um follow us, shout out to everybody um checking us out on the Periscope. Um Raz, take us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for hopping on. Um, appreciate your time. I know it's late, um, so we, we do appreciate that. Great insight as always. Um, and guys, we guys we will be back um, pretty soon. The NBA playoffs is heating up, so you know that's just something we're gonna have to keep a, our a pulse on. Because if playoff P does it again, we will have another monumental <laughs> rant rant by me. So stay tuned to that. But um, you know, we signing off. It's real late on a Wednesday. This is the draft season podcast. We will check y'all later. 